Hi, Rick Hanson here with Amazing Greats Podcast number 16. You know, as a fallen away Catholic, I reconnected with the church in a large part because of the music that was being played at the Sunday service. It was performed by a full rock style band doing songs with catchy melodies and solid musical lyrics and hook. But I later found out that that is what Christian radio was all about. So this week I connected with the nation's number one Christian music radio research consultant to take a deeper dive into Christian music and Christian radio. So who is this Mark Ramsey? Mark Ramsey, to a lot of our audience, probably not a familiar name, but once we start talking about it, they're gonna understand how important it is that you are here with us to kind of explain the whole Christian radio, Christian contemporary Christian music uh, thing. Mark is a veteran media strategist. He's a researcher, he's a trend maker. He's also on the board of the Broadcast Film Critics Association. And then Mark, when I called up, when I called up your um, LinkedIn, I have like two pages of stuff that Mark Ramsey is. And I, I, I'm, <laughs> It was unbelievable. So you got podcasts, you've got two books. Um, tell me, uh, what keeps you busy these days? What keeps me busy is doing good work for my clients and doing good work, I hope, for my family. There you go. So your your clients, so what, what kind of, uh, so you work with media companies for the most part. Yeah, right? I work with media companies, especially uh, broadcasters and, um, and not counting the podcast stuff. Gotcha. And you, and you also have a podcast on top of it all, right? Well, we do. I've done a bunch of work in podcasts. Right now, uh, we've got one about to come out <laughs> with uh, some great people in it. David Harbour's in it. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it. Full cast production written and directed by Sarah Wayne Callies, who's also in it. Um, she's from The Walking Dead. And that comes out at the end of this month. Very cool. Well, what's what's um, what struck me as interesting and kind of exciting is that you also end up being, I would say, unless you can steer me in another direction, probably the most uh, go-to guy for consulting Christian broadcast companies. Um, you have a, a newsletter called Faith Bright, um, and you must have lots of uh, Christian radio clients. Is that correct as well? Yeah, I, th I think probably, I can't be sure of this, because who keeps track of these things, but probably I do more research work for Christian broadcasters than um, Christian radio broadcasters than anybody else does, both commercial and non-commercial. Um, but it's, you know, it's not really consulting per se, uh, because it's not programming consulting. It has to do more with how to grow the audience, how to deliver to the audience, how to you know, track the audience's needs, how to provide service to that audience. Yeah. Uh, and because you and I are both kind of radio uh, guys, um, we're gonna, and our audience is not, so we're going to have to be, be cautious that we don't dip too deep into uh, the uh, vernacular of the industry, but talk to an audience that is just kind of interested because they're listeners, basically. So okay. let's start with um, the, the, the history of contemporary Christian radio. It's a fairly new phenomenon. Is that right? Yes, I don't know that I'm an expert on its history. I'm an expert on its recent history, I guess. Okay. Um, but I've been doing work for those stations for probably the last 10 years or so. And over time, uh, the audience keeps steadily growing. And it's uh, been really 
heartwarming to see, I think, as the number of stations grow. Um, these stations, many of them are non-commercial, so they're supported by listeners, by, by fans. You know, that's, that's the thing right now, right? Everything is supported by its fans. Yeah. Um, whether you're talking about a Netflix subscription or a Patreon uh, member relationship or, um, uh, gosh, I, I don't know. Any Now all the over-the-top services are, are by subscription. So uh, they're all supported by fans. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep. So now that's the thing. So you have a radio station that's supported by fans. You say, well, there's nothing new about that. That's as old as NPR and uh, non-commercial radio. And that's true. But show me the other music-driven format supported by a large number of fans that leaves out Christ or that leaves out uh, classical you know many more fans for christian music than for classical so there isn't one i mean really it's the only mainstream broad-based fan supported um music radio station radio uh, format that there is well you know jumping back so, so i think um there was there was a touch into contemporary Christian music back even as early as the 70s and 80s, but it was very spotty and there were no real radio stations that were making an impact. Um, you know, you had acts like um, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith, and those are kind of the, those are the origin bands or origin uh, artists of the time. And it seems like the 90s were the explosion of contemporary Christian radio. And that's kind of where you came to be a part of it, right? It's in mostly the 90s and on into the 2000s. Probably more in the 2000s, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was already uh, you know, a growing phenomenon uh, back then. And uh, um, K-Love obviously was a lot smaller than it is now. <laughs> One was a lot smaller if they were even around then, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been wonderful to watch it grow. Uh, the audience grows every year, even still, I think probably because of the number of stations grow. And every time, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> I'm, I'm told. <laughs> so why is, why is that? What, what, what is it about contemporary Christian radio that is growing an audience um, in broadcast where a lot of other stations and a lot of other formats are, are not? They're, they're, they're struggling with that. Well, it's, first of all, it's fairly unique. It's fairly exclusive. The, the songs don't appear on other stations or other formats to any great degree, so they kind of own their format category. The category is big enough for one or two stations in most markets. It's not really big enough for three or more like country is in some southern markets. So uh, it's able to kind of exist like a really popular island, you know, uh, that you pass by on a cruise ship and say, wow, I want to stop there. Uh, that's one reason. I think the other reason is that unlike most popular music formats, which are kind of hit-based, song-based, um, hook-based, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Christian music is largely values-based. Mm, it's largely about, you know, the lyrics. It's more about the lyrics for Christian than for any other format I can think of. Hmm. because the lyrics people do pay attention to the lyrics they do i mean they sing along all all formats but when they sing along to a christian song you're singing along to something that's about you know 
making you a better person, bringing you closer to God, making your life better, giving you hope, uplifting you, refreshing you, changing the way you see the world and making your world a better place in it. Those are all incredibly attractive values. And they're really, you're not going to get those values from the top 40 station. You're not going to get them from, you know, any other format, really. Uh, you're certainly not going to get them from other non-commercial formats like public radio. It's really unique to Christian. Yeah, it's almost like uh, when you're listening to a Christian, contemporary Christian radio station, it's almost like you know, um, a prayer set to music, right? That's it's It is, and I think one of the reasons why the smart uh, Christian stations don't put Christian on there, you know, above the uh, above the headline. Uh, Christian's not how they advertise themselves or promote themselves. It's not what they go out to potential listeners with, because for some people they have impressions about what it means to be a Christian station. It's going to be preachy, or it's going to be, you know, old school church music, or whatever those impressions happen to be. Sometimes they're positive, sometimes they're not. But there's no reason. Um, to use those, to, to, to use that term even in promoting yourself, because once people listen, they discover and appreciate what the station is. And the term, rather than becoming an obstacle, becomes an attractant. If I were to start a Christian music station right now, what were, as a consultant, as a, as a researcher, as a knowledgeable person in the industry, what, were, what are the ingredients that I would want to make sure that are a part of my radio package, if you will. Well, you certainly want to play the music that people are listening to today, um, playing uh, popular music in the category is key, playing the popular artists in the category is key. You would certainly want to have personalities that connected with people on a personal level. You'd want to have storytellers, you'd want to have um, Real people, authentic human beings behind the microphones. Other, you know, there's the value of any personality is the fact that there is a personality there. I don't mean a talent, I mean a personality, yeah. an actual personality with three dimensions. That needs to come through the speakers or the earbuds or whatever it happens to be. And um, those people don't grow on trees. So you've got to have the right talent. You've got to have people to connect. They don't necessarily need to be around the corner. That may or may not be helpful, but they certainly need to know how to connect. At the end of the day, we're all human, whether we live here, there, or anywhere. So connecting is more important than being local. Just a quick, um, my background was in, I was, I was raised a Catholic. And so when you went to church, at a Catholic church, um, it was, uh, especially back in the day when I went, um, it was all about hymns and choirs and organs. And there was musically nothing um, uh, relevant or hip or contemporary about it. Uh, then I kind of drifted away from the, uh, from actually from church altogether for a number of years, kind of brought back into the into the fold um, as my son came back from Christian camp and, and wanted to be engaged in church. And then I walked into a, a new church, not a Catholic church, but a new contemporary church. And the thing that struck me was 
on stage as a six-man band. They're playing, they've got drums, they've got electric guitars, and it is a very rhythmic, melodic music. It was, it was the hits um, with a different lyric. And so for me, as a radio guy and a music guy, that was the attraction. I mean, that, that, that's what brought me in the door. And then all of the other things about being at a church came into play. But, but that, the, the whole music thing um, was the attraction. So the question is, is in this day and age, uh, there, it, what I've noticed is, is that the hits, unlike on a top 40 radio station, last, forever, last a long time not forever, but a long time. What, what is it about Christian music that doesn't, you know, that, that keeps it uh, move, uh, not moving up the charts and down the charts and all that? Is it th that there's not enough research to know or? Well, I think part of the reason is that it's a format built on fans, not, um, I don't want to use jargon, not reach, not, not, uh, the the largest number of possible listeners. Instead, it's built on the um, a moderate number of strong fans. So when you have fans, you have relationships with artists and relationships with songs, and it's less about the faddish nature of the music or the song, and more about you know the steady diet of music you like. So it is more in common with you know more adult so-called adult-oriented stations than a top 40 which is more of a youth-oriented station where everything you know boyfriends girlfriends and hits turn over quickly for that yeah. demo yeah yeah um so yes it's less about dating and more about a relationship <laughs> and is there is there actual data on a week-to-week -week basis that says oh this one's more popular than that one is there sales data or is there uh, a call out kind of research that's being done well, Christian broadcasters have access to the same tools and resources as um, every other format. So they know what sells. They know what people are requesting. They know what the Spotify charts reveal. And they know what their own internal testing shows. So they're able to weave all that together and come out with um, a compelling blend. Is there any, um, is there any way to track um, um, what, what churches are playing on Sunday mornings? Is that That's a great question. I don't know the answer. Uh, yeah. That would be interesting. I'm not sure how much that would sway what Christian broadcasters play on a day-to-day -day basis since, you know, when you're in a church on a Sunday morning, you're there for a specific thing on a specific day at a specific time. That may not be what you want Monday morning or Tuesday uh, afternoon. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to... These formats are created for always-on purposes not for you know the situational purpose that you find yourself um, in a church for that's I think one of the um, things that good Christian broadcasters realize that quote-unquote church music per se gives you a sense of what people want when they're in a church it doesn't necessarily tell you what they want when they're driving around town yeah and I've noticed even in my um, um, in my experiences that um, there, you were earlier on talking about the fact that these are just uplifting songs. They're not necessarily all worship songs per se, but they kind of tell uh, a, a great story. You know, it's a great story about um, a relationship. It's a great story about, uh, like any song would be. 
some of them are story praise and worship oriented. Well, also I think some of them are 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 um, just kind of statements of principle. You know, um, this is something happened to me and this is how it affected me or here's how I cope with a problem and they're just kind of declarations of principle and those are uh, reinforcing and uh, encouraging for people who need it I think people you know I've heard people say they get in a car they get behind the wheel the traffic's bad they get frustrated they drive crazy and then they flip on the Christian station and it calms them down it yeah. comes in because it reminds them there's something bigger than this traffic and this commute is not the end all and be all and this moment will pass and there's a bigger reason to be alive than this and those are all important kind of universal messages and they're not messages you're going to get from most formats well, uh, what what amazes me too is that there's a this huge a number of artists in the contemporary christian field now we're back in the old, you know, in the original days, there was a handful. Uh, and now it seems like every week there's somebody popping on the contemporary Christian charts and making big waves. You know, I was just, I was tr making a quick list and it's like, the list goes on and on. It's Chris Tomlin and Danny Goki and Toby Mack and Phil Wickham and Jeremy Camp and Lauren Daigle and King for King Country and Big Daddy Weave and Matthew West and all of those. Um, and, and now some, not a lot, but some cross over into secular radio. Lauren Daigle is probably the most um, obvious example of that, but Mercy Me uh, had a song. Do you see that happening more or not really? Is that a trend? I, you know, not? it's hard to say because what crosses over has to do with lots of variables that are, you know, it's uh, tough to predict. I mean, you can't predict the hits, let alone predict what's going to cross over in other formats. Um, I think increasingly nowadays it doesn't really matter what crosses over because now we have access to Spotify where every individual who has an account over there can create their own custom playlist with their own list of songs, some of which may be listened to by a handful of people in the world. And so what does it mean to cross over in a world where people can pick their own songs independent of genre? What does that even mean? Um, it's almost kind of an academic problem that's now remote from the average listener's field of view because they don't have to worry about it anymore. They have Spotify, they have Pandora, they have SiriusXM, and they have their local radio station. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's a really good point. And uh, maybe what I should do, because I use the term first, is the, uh, the, the term crossover, mainly meaning that uh, it goes from a Christian format only and jumps over to maybe a, an adult contemporary station or a top 40 station or mm -hmm. a country station. Mm -hmm. So uh, that just to explain that, what are uh, what are some of the unique challenges going forward for uh, contemporary Christian radio stations um, uh, in to keep growing that audience? Are, uh, are there things that um, remain challenges for them? Many of them are non-commercial. And when you're non-commercial, you have built-in challenges. When you're supported by listeners, supported by donors in particular, that's you know a small percentage of your audience contributing a vast percentage of your revenue. And that's a, that's a tough uh, equation because you have to count on those that giving, sustaining, and growing. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. It depends on you know the way you ask, how you ask, what you offer, all that stuff. Yeah. So I think one of the challenges is going to be financial support in the future. Um, that said... 
in many cases, I'd rather be a non-commercial listener-supported station than an advertising-supported station because that pool of money is even more volatile <laughs> and likely to erode yeah. than is the pool associated with people who give to something they care about. What about just, I, I wanted to touch on um, the technique of fundraising. Is there, um, based on research or based on clients that you know and work with, uh, are there ways, uh, better ways to um, uh, generate revenue than others? Are there any keys to that? Well, it's there's no magic to it, certainly. I think that typically these stations are generating money in fairly traditional ways. You know, people are, they do uh, share-a-thons or fund drives where people call in and make their pledges. I mean, that's as traditional as it gets. They uh, Now they have the ability to reach people by text. They have the ability to reach people by email, snail mail, um, all the, uh, even, even social media. There are mechanisms now through social media where you can support a station. There are mechanisms through social media that very few stations use, by the way, that allow you to um, establish a fund, your own mini fund drive for the station that you care about. Uh, so that you can, through your own circle of friends, encourage them to give on your behalf to that radio station. And that's a big development made possible by social media. You know, it's, it's uh, crowdfunding or peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, however, whatever you want to term it. Yeah. So there is new development out there, but fundamentally, it's only a question of kind of how you ask, what the ask is, what you're giving in return, and, and what you expect. I also think that there's a move in the direction of away from purely um, uh, don't, a pure donation and towards what I like to call membership. Um, when you consider membership and subscription are very similar, right? Uh, when you give, you don't give uh, a year's worth of money typically to Netflix. You give it once a month. Because every month they come back again. Every month you're evaluating the equation. You do the same with your cable provider if you have a cable. And I think that that subscription process is an opportunity for Christian stations. Because if I'm going to because I could give every month or I could give a one time, but that's different from subscribing. Because when you subscribe, you get something in return, something that others who don't subscribe don't get. That's the key thing. Mm -hmm. Donors are supporting a station because they feel it's the right thing to do, they feel in their heart they want to. They're doing it in spite of the fact that 96% of the audience doesn't do it. Mm. That's an important uh, and appreciated motivation, but it's not the only way to support the brand. And I submit that a lot of the people who are not donating, that a lot of the free riders, so-called, would be happy to give money to their favorite radio station if they were getting something in return that others weren't getting. Mm. That's how it works for Patreon. That's how it works for Kickstarter. You know, that's how it works for Netflix. Are stations doing that now? I mean, are, and the big networks, are they, are they leaning that way? Not yet in a big way, no. I'm not seeing that yet in a big way, but I think it's one of the things that's going to happen in the near future yeah. because it's just everywhere. You can't not see it. I mean, there are podcasts that are that are... Uh, producing six figures of revenue per year doing exactly that. How can you look the other way? 
at that. This is very enlightening. And I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're a busy guy and you're remodeling your home and you've moved to Portland up to the great Pacific Northwest, which is, is exciting. You know, we were just talking today over coffee about how, what a wonderful place we live because we don't have a drought and we don't have uh, windstorms and we don't have hurricanes and it's just a wonderful place to be. So welcome to the Northwest. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time today. This is very enlightening. I know our audience will love it. And uh, God bless you. Thanks. Thank you. God bless you. I appreciate it. Well, now eight months into the Amazing Greats podcast project, I want to take a moment to thank all of our wonderful guests so far, our volunteer production guru and editor, Clem Daniels, our hosts, Joe Michaels, Greg Cook, Larry Lomax, and others, and Clem too, for their support and talents. And a big thank you to my, my friend and my mentor, George Tolls. Well, until next time, God bless.